This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. The Mets are trying to pull off a win. The Yankees are an outright disaster. And I'm flying solo on ESPN New York Tonight, which starts right now. And off and running on this Monday, July 5th. Hey there, you. How you doing? Yes, it is ESPN New York tonight. I am Gordon Damer, uh, flying solo until midnight tonight. Two big hours, plenty to discuss. Uh, of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. You can find me uh, on Twitter. You can get me on Instagram, both at Gordon Damer. But most importantly, you can get me right here until midnight tonight. But uh, hopefully everyone had a fun, a festive, a safe July 4th. I was talking to my sister who lives on Long Island, and apparently, apparently the gloves were off on Long Island in terms of the fire. Whoa! <laughs> you could smell them in the air, she said. That's, that is strong. It is pungent. Stings the nostrils. But uh, anytime you have a holiday on a Sunday, it just throws the whole week off. Like, what day is it? It's a Monday, but it doesn't feel like a Monday. But I should tell you, Larry is off this week. He is off on vacation with the wife, so hopefully he and his wife are having a wonderful time. And with the way the Yankee weekend went, went, I was thinking about texting to see, you know, A, where he went, and B, if he had any extra room. Larry, can we order the rollout bed from the, uh, the hotel? Is there a sofa available? Because, oh, my God, just when you think, just when you think the Yankees hit rock bottom, somehow they get out a shovel and they d- dig a little bit deeper. God bless the 2021 Yankees. They find a way to always make it worse and at least you know there was a point I don't know where it was maybe a couple of weeks ago where they would give you some hope right some false hope but still give you some hope they'd win a couple of games and you think to yourself all right well you know maybe maybe this thing happens you know maybe that thing happens maybe they can get things pointed in the right direction and uh, after all at some point right after all they're gonna hit after all at some point the Yankees are gonna hit after all, at some point, they're going to turn things around. After all, there's a lot of baseball left to be played. They still have a season. Can't give up on the season yet. Well, last week, Yankee Brass made it clear through their words. Every significant member, right? You heard from the manager every day. You heard from the GM last week. And you heard from the owner last week. And they all said, they were all in lockstep. It is on the players man it's good to know though right that there's no issue with the Yankees process they have put together an amazing team it's just not firing as as everyone kind of expected and most importantly as they expected the manager the G they're all they're all on board they're all on the same page they are step and step for each other and that step that last step has been right off the cliff and you know with the way the subway series you saw it with this. I mean, it's, it's been a familiar thing, and we've kind of hit on it a thousand times that whatever can go wrong does go wrong. And every day, there is a new disaster. The Yankees are like staring at the dam, and there's cracks here, and there's cracks there, and they're sticking their finger in this one. And then when they do that, another one, another uh, uh, hole springs up on the other side. They got to do it here, they got to do it there. And this weekend, it was obviously Garrett Cole who could not last four innings against what is one of the worst offenses in the sport of baseball all season long. A guy who went from lights out to, hey, you know, he's still not dominating, but he's still pretty good. To the last two starts, he has been a disaster. A guy who who is being paid 
to be the stopper. Hasn't been able to stop anything. He has been a disaster. So all the conversations that everybody's had about Garrett Cole here with the sticky stuff and all the numbers, you know what they are by now. That's a new disaster. Uh, Araldus Chapman is a continuing disaster. Another meltdown. And of course, it really, I don't know that it really came as a surprise to anyone. If you're sitting there watching that game and you're watching him come out there and you know that his ERA is like 25 in the last month, I don't know that really anybody was all that surprised outside of maybe the Yankee manager. And I'll say this. If I got to hear about his fingernail one more time, did did the fingernail get chopped off? How long does it take to grow a fingernail? Maybe I've just reached the age where those things pop up a lot quicker than I feel like I'm trimming the fingernails every couple of weeks. I've been hearing about that fingernail since May. Enough with the fingernail. Maybe it's what you're sticking on that fingernail that that's the problem. And then after the latest meltdown, you have Aaron Boone saying that he, you know, he's open to reevaluating the closer's role. You think? <laughs> How come? Is it the Twins game, the Angels game, the, the A's game where he got saved by the, the triple play? Those were all flukes. So, look, we got a lot to go through with the Yankees, the Yankee disaster. But, you know, I've been listening to the different shows or, been, you know, reading the, the different articles, and it's – it still kind of seems like, I don't know, maybe I'm living in the future and I'm just ahead of this uh, than, than others, but I keep hearing, well, you know, the Yankees are in trouble. What changes do they need to make? What changes? What changes do they need to make? Well, nothing. Nothing's going to change. There, there's a bunch of changes they could make, but they're not going to make any of them. Nothing. I've been saying this for like a month, at least. The Yankees are locked in to the, the luxury tax threshold. They are staying under that come hell or high water. So that removes any possibility. So the only reason why I think a lot of people were focusing on the possibility of changing the manager was you've left yourself no other options in terms of changes. The owner's not going to do anything. The GM ain't going to do nothing. And it's pretty clear at this point, I know there's still half the season to be played. The group of players that you have right now is not capable of playing at a high level for any extended period of time, so they're not going to change anything either. Now, I know it's mind-boggling to think that, but that's the deal. They are not making any changes. So earlier today on Greeny, Buster Only was on, and he was asked, what moves can the Yankees make? Here's Buster. It's easy for, you know, knuckleheads like me to sit here and say, well, they don't have a chance. According to fan graphs, they have a 6% chance of making the postseason, and it makes sense that they would be sellers. Here's the thing. When you look at their roster and what would potentially be available, there's not a lot there to market in season. All right, and then Buster was asked, uh, you know, how uh, critical is the point of the season for the Yankees, and he thinks that the next 10 to 12 games will determine the season. Here's Buster. When you look at the schedule ahead of them, you know, they play Seattle for three games, and the Mariners have been playing well lately. They've actually passed the Yankees in the American League standings. Then they play the Astros, and then eight of their first ten games out of the All-Star break are against the Boston Red Sox, a team they haven't beaten yet this year. And so while, you know, Hal Steinbrenner said last week in speaking with reporters that he has no thought at all about being sellers, we might get to the morning of July 26th, that Monday after the, the second Red Sox series, 
threes, and there would be no question that they would be sellers. I mean, when you look at their deficit of 10 games right now, there's only been one time in their entire history when they've overcome that to win a division or league, and that was in 1978. So they've run out of, you know, as I said on the broadcast last night, they've run out of lifeline. Yeah, it's over. I mean, I don't know what else you need to see. We can keep deluding ourselves. Well, you know, if they won 20 games in a row, they would be right back in it. They can't win 20 games in a row. This team is not capable. Well, you saw it in the first half of the year for whatever reason. I didn't think it was going to be the case. Maybe you didn't think it was going to be the case. But it's clear now that you've gotten to see the process play out for half of the season that this team is not capable of playing at any high level for an extended period of time. So I would say, after hearing from all the people and watching all the games that you watch and then getting to see this weekend with the Subway Series and then, thank God, a day off today. Oh, man, did I need a day off today from watching that tripe all weekend long. The only takeaway that you can have is the Yankees are not worthy of your time. The owner of the team is watching the season go down in flames. And they are not making any changes. They have told you that. So why would you, you you know, watch the games if you want, but I wouldn't stress out all that much because it's clear that the, the ownership, the team brass, does not care enough to make any changes in the season. They went into the year saying, you know what, we're going to reduce payroll despite the fact that this is a team that's supposed to be on the cusp of, of finally breaking through and winning a World Series or at least getting to a World Series. But yet, we're going to reduce payroll. We're going to make moves based on that. And however it goes, it goes. And if it clicks, great. And if it doesn't, whoa, well. And now we are in the section of the oh, well part of the season. The Yankees aren't going to do a single thing. And if they're not going to care... Why should you? 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So it is ESPN New York tonight. It is Gordon Damer filling in tonight uh, solo. Not filling in. I'm part of the show ordinarily. I don't know why I said filling in. But uh, taking you solo tonight as we go up till midnight. So we'll take your calls about the fiasco that is the Yankee season. And look, I I spent a lot of time as a Yankee fan focused on the Yankees. Moving forward, we're going to have to obviously reduce the section of the show that is – I mean, the season is over before the All-Star break. It's been over for a little while, and you kept waiting. You know, maybe if they went out this weekend and maybe won two of three, maybe you could delude yourself a little bit longer. But it's clear. I mean, that, that's all it is now. Looking at this part of the schedule or what's coming up in the next 10 to 12 days, thinking that somehow it's going to be different when there are no changes to be made. This is the group. This is the team. And this team is not, has not fired all season long. To think that the results are going to be different when you're not changing anything in the equation, to me, that is just completely delusion. So we can stop with uh, you know, that nonsense, but we'll get into what's next for them about blowing it up because that's not going to work either. We'll uh, touch on the Mets. Mets do hang on, beat the Brewers tonight 4-2, and why, if you're a Met fan, you have to, ha- you have to feel absolutely phenomenal right now. So we'll get into the Mets tonight, the NBA Finals start tomorrow, so lots of stuff to do. Let's get to the phones here. You know, there's two things I wanted to hit on uh, before we do that. And it is um, because I'm sure that there's some portion of the Yankees. Anytime the Yankees go bad, and it's been a long time since they've been this bad. 
But anytime that, that that happens, there's always a section of the fan base, or I guess just baseball fans who enjoy watching the Yankees stink. Well, you had to know that this was going to happen because of this reason and that reason, or something along the lines of, well, I knew that this was going to happen. The problem is all those, almost all of those people that are saying those kind of, oh, I knew this was going to happen. I knew they were going to be like this. I knew they were going to be this bad. They're the same ones who said it all the time. And they haven't been this bad in basically uh, over 20, oh, yeah, right, 20 years, 92, 2002. Yeah, I mean, 20 years. I mean, you know, that, that's a long time to go here uh, between being this bad. And it's been a long time since they've been this bad. At least other times when they've played uninspired baseball for large stretches of the season, there were at least some glimmers of hope. I, I really don't think that there are any glimmers of hope this year. There's just too many, uh, too many fingers in the dam, and there's too many holes that keep sprouting up. There's new problems every day, and it's not like they're solving the old problems. The old problems still exist. The Glaber Torres situation, the outfield situation, the, uh, the offense not being able to score runs consistently. And then you have new problems popping up with Cole's issues and Chapman's issues and the, and the rotations issues. So it's very hard to see any, uh, any glimmer of hope. And, and the second thing is, all right, so they're going to be bad. This is a lost season is what you're saying. So they should be sellers at the deadline, and they should. Uh, the, the only problem is, is the term that you keep hearing is, well, the Yankees have to blow it up. They got to blow it up. And blow it up means to really fundamentally change the, the cast of characters, like the main cast of characters. That's almost impossible to do with this Yankee team. Because some of the guys, they, they're going to be here forever. They will be here forever. Garrett Cole is going to be here forever. Stanton is going to be here forever. You just signed LeMahieu. I mean, that's, that's what you're talking about. Like, if you're saying you're going to blow it up, you're talking about moving, moving off your best players and, and trying to find a different path forward. The only guy who you could consider blowing it up, and, and if, you're, if you've paid attention to the Yankees at all here, uh, you know that this is almost certainly not going to happen, would be Judge. That's the only guy that you would be saying, all right, that's the one piece that we could move that would be like a fundamental piece of the team, of the organization, that you would be moving off of. And I don't see any way that that's going to happen either. The Yankees have told you that even when they do start making moves, it's going to be tweaks. It's not going to be wholesale changes. All right, let's get some phone calls in, shall we? 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Richard is in Manhattan. Richard, what's going on, pal? Gordon, hi. You know, I'm listening to all the uh, sportscasters on the radio, and it's rightful, rightfully saying so, that this NBA playoffs will be tainted because of all the injuries. You know all of them. Right, and sure. Anthony Davis right. and Kawhi and, and Nets guys, uh, Harden sure. and Kyrie and – you know, on and on and on. So, you know, it's a battle of attrition. We're not getting the best players. Where you know, the winner, it's going to be tainted. But, see, I look at it totally different. I always look for storylines. Okay. And we have a great storyline in this final. You have Phoenix, Milwaukee. What I'm rooting for is I want to see Giannis not play at all. And I want to see <laughs> Milwaukee win it. Okay. It will be the first time in 57 years that I've watched the NBA playoffs. 57 years I go back. 
that the team wins the championship not only without their best player playing. That's never happened. Not only not their best player playing, but one of the top three players in the league being that player not playing. That would be an unbelievable storyline. So that's what I'm hoping for. I'm sitting back. I'm hoping that Giannis plays. Um, Look, the NBA, it's great because it's the league where stars win, but you need some stars. And and the fact that Giannis doesn't look like he's going to play at the start of the series, if at all, in the series, uh, that definitely hurts. But I look for the storyline. I know, but I like, like it's to... it's harder for the Bucks to be able to pull off the storyline if they don't have their best player. No, no. Like, do you think but that the Bucks no can story. win the series if Gordon, Giannis doesn't play? The... Gordon, you're missing the storyline. If he plays, there's no storyline. Well, but the, but but if he doesn't play, there's no storyline of them winning. No, you want them to win without him. <laughs> right, but they can't. Like I don't that. think they're going to win without him is my point. Well, that's, well, that's what makes it so great that if it happens. Right. right. It's not going to be so great. You want to see them win it without him. That's what you want to see happen. Yeah. Because that'll be unbelievable. That's never happened. Wouldn't you want to watch something that's never happened in at least, I, I think, in the history of the NBA? That the best player on that team won it. Not only in the championship series, the series before it, without him playing. And not only that, he's a top three player. You can go down the line. Larry Bird, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I don't know if he's a top uh, three player. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, uh, LeBron Those players had to play. Right. And those, this, uh, to me, those were more interesting. <laughs> I got to be honest. I want star. I want to see the best players going at it, and that has hurt these playoffs because there's been so many injuries. Now, look, it's not the Suns' fault, right? The, the, the guys got right. hurt. They had guys get hurt. Paul, uh, Paul got hurt. Booker's been dinged right. up. Um, so it's not yeah. their fault. But as me All as right, a viewer, I want to see. I want to see the way. best players. All right. Well, that's but that's from your personal. Uh, yes. Thing. Okay. Now the other storyline is if Phoenix wins it, that will erase any doubt where Chris Paul stands. Now Chris Paul, you can lump with uh, Allen Iverson. You can lump him in with Steve Nash, uh, Stockton, Gary Payton. These were all very good to great guards, probably great guards right. who never won anything. Right. So in that respect. Phoenix win it, wins it. Well, they didn't win championships. Excuse me? They didn't win championships. You said they didn't win anything. I mean, they won MVPs. They won, you know, they won awards, but they didn't win a title. Of course. Right. You know, and that will separate him and bring him up maybe to the level of an Isaiah Thomas or to a level of a Jason Kidd. I don't think he gets to Isaiah in my eyes. Yeah, me neither. I don't either. I don't even think he gets near Jason Kidd or a Dennis Johnson or I got like I got a storyline for you. I don't know if you know this or not. This year's finals is going to mark the 75th straight year where the finals will feature at least one player who at one point in their career played for the Knicks. Is that incredible? Since 1947, every NBA finals between the two teams, not necessarily the champion, but between the two teams that met in the finals, it had, it's had one former Nick player on either the, the, the champ or the runner-up. Isn't that amazing? Oh, that played on the Nick somewhere yeah, along some the line. Point, wow, yeah. That is interesting. Right? Very interesting. Yeah. Very. Yeah, Gordon, one other thing. You guys on ESPN, 
I wanted to call last week. You were running a promo, uh-huh. to, you know, uh, talking about Milwaukee making it to the finals for the first time since the Oscar Robertson, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar years. Uh-huh. That's not totally true. The last time Milwaukee made it to the finals was in 74, and Kareem was on that team. Oscar was gone by then. Oscar was there when they won it in 71. I think Oscar stayed two years. The year that they last played in the finals in 74, do you know who their starting point guard was? No idea. I'll give you a hint. He played for UCLA right after Kareem played. Point guard for the Bucks in 74? Right. Correct. Um... Very good guard, all-star. Not a Hall of Famer, though. 74. I, I mean, that's a little bit before my time. You said he what did he say? You said he went to UCLA? Oh, yeah. Big star on UCLA. Big star with Walton and those guys. Uh, that's before my time. Give it to me. I don't know. Lucius Allen. Don't, don't know. Wouldn't have gotten it. Was a star. I mean, anyway, I've heard the so name, but I, I wouldn't have. Yeah. ESPN was running the promo, which was not totally true because in 74, Oscar was gone by then. Right. He stayed, I think, two years. Oscar, right. two or at most three. And I'll, got get, I'll get on those 70- promotions, people, Richard. As soon as we get done with this show, I'm going to be getting on them. Come on, guys. Get it together. 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Spike, formerly of Jersey, now of St. Pete. You're next up on ESPN New York. Spike, what's going on? Uh, I called the uh, ESPN promotions. Uh, the day Did you, after you get on happened. them? Yeah. Yeah. I said, be prepared. My buddy Richard's going to call you tomorrow. <laughs> Well, look. Yeah, I knew, knew it right away. He goes, that's our warehouse, Richard. No, that's our warehouse. You know, Gail Goodrich was another guy. It, it's an interesting stat, but I think it means also uh, coaches, guys who coach. No, Paul Westfall played for, uh, played for the Knicks, too. All right, that's right. Yeah, no, that's right. That's absolutely right. As stupid as I am, instead of going to the computer, I'm racking my brains out kind of thinking of it. And I said, hey, I got this thing in my pocket. Let me figure it out. Right. Anyway, listen. I'll be real quick. Uh, good luck. Uh, you did terrific again. I said TV the other day. You. And uh, how's your sleep? How's your sleep pattern going? Uh, well, it takes you a couple of days to get back into it, so we'll, we'll get back into it. We'll I would right. think you know, so. That week filling yeah. in on uh, DCR, those that, those hours, that alarm clock going off, uh, it's a it's a whole new yeah. world. Yeah, I got a kick out of it. You said you were waking up every ten minutes. It was eleven thirty. Oh. But, you can't uh, see it, when you're doing that kind of shift and just let, and I'm sure it's the same thing. Like whatever job people have, you have to wake up absolutely. at a time that if you sleep in, it's over. Like you're going to miss your whole day of work. You just continually wake up. At least I do every 90 minutes no. thinking, Oh my God, what time is it? Oh my God. Why did the alarm not go off? You just, you're, you're just in a panic the entire time. Yeah, they did that. My kids are cops. So when he switches, he does 12 hour shifts. Oh, and then they, every, right. every 45 days, they flip days tonight. They give them one day in between. First day's fine. Second day, where am I? (laughs) Where am I? A lot of coffee. Anyway, listen, I'm just not a Yankees. I'll be real fast. I just want to say hello to you. You know, you're alone tonight. Uh, They're done, man. They're done. That was a a bull crap win yesterday. And and you said it. I gave someone else credit. It was you. We all thought that uh, Garrett Cole would be the poster child for the sticky stuff. It's turning out to be Chapman. Chapman. And Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and when and at least, you know, at least with Cole, we know that they keep blaming this stupid fingernails. <laughs> I mean, how long, how long do you have to have a fingernail before it, it's finally healed? I, I think that they've been talking I, about that for months now. It's been about five weeks. You're right. And how is the bizarre part about it? 
you, you know, he could have left Green in. Look, we know all the machinations. He, Green pitches that, whatever they call it, that immaculate inning or something. Oh, Green my God, bad the immaculate it. inning. Oh, my God, if I have to hear about these immaculate innings. The team's getting its brains yeah. beat in every single day. But, hey, Chad Green threw an immaculate inning, which nobody, yeah. Spike, had even heard of five years ago. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to be sitting telling our grandkids about the time Chad Green threw an immaculate inning. Ugh, I couldn't, I can't take uh, Gordon, that thing. Either. I don't even know what some of these core injuries are. i got to look them up. I never <laughs> right. heard about them. You know, right. these, these, uh, the big core industry. But I'll leave you with this, and, and I always get to talk to you and have fun. Here, here's the deal with the Yankees. I heard people today, not on the radio, because I was talking to them walking around, and they go to me, well, you know, if they if Green could have, they could have used him in the first game and then taken the doubleheader, there was no way Chapman was getting anybody out. And I, I sincerely have this fear. Chapman claims he used the sticky stuff or whatever the substance is to, to get a better grip on the ball. That makes some sense. Those things are like two balls. But God forbid you get in a plate against him and he doesn't have a grip. Yeah, scary, because he doesn't know where it's going. He, yeah. That, thank you. He doesn't know where he's going. And, and, and Boone's lost the team. It's so obvious to me. He's a nice guy. He does a lot of great things with families. But he, he lost the team. They're not paying attention to him. It's sad to me. It really is. They're better off, and I'm a Yankee fan like you are, they're better off not making the playoffs this year. It'll get them yeah. off their asses and, and <laughs> then build up their farm system. Yeah. Have well, a good evening, Gordon. You too, Spike. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> I don't think there's any fear of that. Yeah. If, if that's the best thing, well, good thing you got that going for you because uh, they're, they're not uh, they're not making the playoffs. Uh, I, you know, this this next stretch of games, this thing here, that thing there. And I, look, I, I, I'm not expecting them to go out and lose every game or, or be you know terrible uh, overall. Maybe they'll kind of float around 500, a little bit above, a little bit bef- below. And I'm sure at some point they'll they'll win their four or five in a row like every team does. Uh, but th- it's clear they're not going anywhere. And it's clear nothing is changing. So if nothing is changing, you're not going to change the players. You're not, you're not looking at areas, clear, glaring areas where you need something. And you're not going to make a move. It's on these guys. When, when Voight was out, first base was a black hole. They got nothing out of first base. Didn't try to do anything. Center field, absolute black hole. They've, they've done basically nothing. They've been, they brought the kid in from, uh, he's not even a kid, he's like 29 years old but they brought in a, a guy who's a speed and, and defense kind of player for an offense that needs somebody that can hit. So it's as it's, it's clear as the nose on your face. Nothing is changing with this team, and the results are not going to change, and they're just going to allow this season to flitter away. That's what they're going to do. And to just to think about, you know, the first game, you, you go with Chapman there, and it's, there is a lot of this, too, with this Yankee team. Well, we got to look at the big picture. You know, we got to look at the big picture, whereas – Get the win that day. Get that first win. And then worry about down the road, down the road. Worry about down the road when you get to it. You can't go one week and telling me the season's on the line, and then when you have a game, that a winnable game, that first game of the doubleheader, and, and you're, you're focusing at that point on the big picture. Focus on the little picture. Let's put one foot in front of the other and, and focus on that. Let's go out to Anthony in New Jersey. Anthony, you're next up on ESPN New York. You know, the problem here, thanks for taking the call. The problem here that people aren't speaking about with the Yankees, and I'm a big Yankee fan, is that they have no way of making their talent better. 
It's like good players come to the Yankees, the Yankees get big prospects, and they regress. They don't get better. They get worse. Look at Clint Frazier. He's not a, he, he's a been a bust. Look yep. at Gleyber Torres. Yep, bust. Absolutely. You know, I mean, these are, even, even Gary Sanchez, three years ago, I think it was three seasons ago, he was looking like the next big thing in New York. He's gotten worse. Well, he's gotten better. He's gotten good again this year, yeah. But, no, your point is the same, right? I mean, when he came up and he was hitting home runs every other day and even that second year, you thought to yourself, boy, this is going to be – and you heard about Gary Sanchez for a long time. He's been in the Yankee organization. You heard reports about, oh, this kid Gary Sanchez can hit a ton and and, and wait until he gets up here. And and that was the case earlier. And you're absolutely right. He regressed from there. Go ahead. Gordon, let me ask you a question. I haven't even – these are just positional players I'm talking about, position players. Who's the last homegrown Yankee pitching pitching prospect that's turned out to be the real deal? Yeah, yeah well, it's none. Pettit. There's yeah. none. It's Pettit. Pettit's the last oh, yeah. guy. I mean, Severino yeah, right. looked like he was going to be the guy. He's had a ton of injuries and has not uh, has not gotten back yet. Uh, really, since the moment they signed him to that long term deal. Gordon, let me ask you one another. more question. Yeah, go ahead. Let me ask you one more question. This is going to be a big. I think this is going to be something the Yankees really have to visit. Okay. I'm with you when you say. I don't think the Yankees are making the playoffs. I don't even think they're going to come close, to be totally honest with you. When the trade deadline comes, do you think that they would consider for the right haul moving Cole? <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> nobody's, nobody's taking that contract. No, nobody's taking Cole off your hands. You're stuck with him now. No, I mean, and look, I don't really I, – I, I know this is not going to be a popular opinion, and Anthony, thanks for the phone call um, – there had there was always going to be an adjustment period for a guy who clearly was using substances, uh, and I thought the adjustment period. Remember, he had those first two starts where he was not nearly as dominant, but he was still he was still okay. Uh, these last two starts, he's been he's been a disaster. He I mean he, he's basically lost you the game almost on his own. Um, he, he's been that bad. I mean to not be able to get more than um, ten outs against the Mets. A team's offense that has been the worst in baseball, right? Like you can't you can't get through that much of the game where it's even more important because it's only a seven inning game. You could if you rely on him to he should be able to get you the whole game basically, uh, and he couldn't even get you through half the game. So um, no, no, Cole's not going anywhere. Stanton's not going anywhere. These guys aren't going anywhere. That's that's the problem with saying, well, you know, we got to blow this thing up. All right, well what, well, what? I mean, the only thing you could say that would be a fundamental thing where you would say, all right, that's, that's a pretty big piece, I think, would be judge. That's the only one, and I, I don't think that they're, they're going to do that because I don't really think that they value this season. I, I mean, you went into this season saying we're, we're what should be smack dab in the middle of, of winning time for, for an organization that's been looking to break down the door with all this high talent, all these big salaries, and – and uh, you look at the moves that they made. You look at the moves that they went about in the offseason. This has been the plan the entire time. It's not like all of a sudden they showed up and it was like, yeah, hey, you know what, maybe we should stay under. No, this was the plan because they lost the money last year because of the pandemic. They said, you know what, we got to, and I'm sure the Rays doing what they did, uh, I'm sure that that put the, uh, the, the, um, the focus on it even more for ownership of we need to get down lower on the payroll and, and reduce the salaries. And, and that's what they did. And that has not helped. Uh, that has not helped. I mean, that's why you make the moves that you did. And it's not even like the moves that you made, which were based, I think on the fact that they didn't have that much money to spend. 
it wasn't like even the moves that they did make were good moves. So, yeah, I mean, they have a whole bunch of problems right now. And I would just say that it's clear that as an organization, they are not all that concerned with the season going sideways. I know that they all talked about it, but that's about all they've done is talk about it. They're not going to do anything about it. They have told you that at every turn. From, la- from the moment last season ended, they told you at every turn they are not going to do anything about it. It's on the players. That's where they just – and look, it is on the players, right? It is – the players win games, the players lose games, the players have not been that good. But it's kind of funny when you hear them say, you know, we're all in this together, but the players have to do – well, maybe you didn't put together that good of a collection of players. Like, you can have the best strategy or whatever you want in a game, and if it, if it ends up like this, well, then clearly the plan was flawed. And whose plan was it? Your plan. You came up with the plan. The owner came up with the, the, the plan to, to take payroll and keep it under the luxury tax threshold. The GM came up with the plan to, hey, let's go get Corey Kluber, guy who hasn't pitched at all. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be healthy all season long with us. I'm sure Jamison Tyone is going to, to be really super effective coming off the injuries that he's had. It's a, it was a rough weekend. Rough weekend, people. It was fun, you know, have a little couple of days, saw some friends, saw some family, but uh, that Yankees, oh, my God. Oh, what a disaster that is. And uh, again, the, the, the idea that anything is going to change is, uh, it, it has already been proven to you. It won't. Nothing is going to happen. Even when Hal came out and talked and, and somebody said, well, would you, would you over take the, the luxury tax threshold? Well, you know, in the past, we have, uh, we have done that. And uh, if, the, if we were one piece away... And they brought me uh, an idea for a player that would significantly improve our team. I would definitely consider it. That's a no. <laughs> that's him telling you no. Uh, so that's what that's the story with the Yankees. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Let's go out to uh, Jack is in Rockaway. Jack, what's going on, pal? How are you? Happy Fourth. Uh, just uh, I'm a lifelong Yankee fan, and I'm looking at the team. Uh, first of all, I'm looking going back a couple of years to Jerome, who was basically ran out of here, uh, who took them to the seventh game with a lot less talent, and all the young players were performing a lot better. But that's that's beside the point. In baseball, I don't put too much stock in managers, so I'll, I'll leave that be. But I'm looking at the team that Boone was dealt the hand, and just in, in anything in life, we all we all strive for some continuity. We want to know our work schedule, or this. You you have it every single day. You you have he was given two third basemen, Acello and Andohar. No shortstops. Three second basemen, Torres, Odor, and Matteo. No first basemen. Void at two DHs. Void and Stanton at DHs. That's the, the no center fielder. There's not a, there's not a major league center fielder on this team. You got three three left hit fielders: Hicks, Gardner, and um, and uh, Frazier and Spencer. The, the team, and then mixing, matching every day. They don't know who's going to be. The, the team is is a flawed team. It's on a it's on a watchable team. And now my fear now is with baseball. Years ago it was with all the hitters. We didn't know who was juicing. But now we don't know who who was getting these record. These could it was a Chapman? Was it Cole? Yes. <laughs> no, we know now, Jack. We know now who's you. I know two guys for sure. Yeah, look, I mean, they, they have a lot of problems, uh, and uh, it's not it's not a quick fix, and it, it's an even longer fix when you when the when the the ownership and the management of the team are not going to fix anything. So yeah, I mean, it, it's possible that they could try things and it still wouldn't work, 
but at least there's the possibility that you, you, you spark something, right? May, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I, I don't have high hopes because I, I agree with you. I think it is, a, it is a kind of a flawed team. But you have to at least try something, and they don't seem uh, really willing to, uh, to try anything. They, they say it's on these players, and they're, that, that, that's, they're going down with the ship. The band is playing, and the ship is going down. But at least they're not going to bring in it. They're not going to try anything different. Just keep hitting the iceberg. Uh, Jeremy is in Oregon. Jeremy, what's going on? Hey, man. How's it going? I'm good. So what you got? Everyone, you know, says, you know, Cashman hasn't won anything since 2009. But if you go back further, the 2003 World Series is when the dynasty ends. Clemens leaves, Pettit leaves, Wells leaves. So from 04 to last year, 17 years, he has spent over $3 billion, with a B, in payroll and has won one pennant in one World Series. I find that to be unacceptable. And I, it seems like the New York media always gives Cashman a pass all the time. I'm not sure why. Well, look, I mean, in, in fairness, Jeremy, uh, Cashman has done an overall good job. Now, I'm not saying that the, the, the task has been met because they have not won a World Series. They've not even gone to a World Series. And, in fact, they really haven't won the American League East all that often. But overall, in terms of the team here the last than, three or four years. Mediocre. Yeah, no, I mean, the team the last three or four, four years has been knocking on the door. They've been a playoff team. They've lost two teams that were better than them, but teams – that either won World Series or went to World Series. So I do think that they have been very close. But when you look at what happened last year with the team, and you can kind of toss that out because, all right, it's a weird year. Maybe you can give that as an excuse. This year, you can't give any excuse. And now when you look where you stand, I think that Cashman should be under the fire. But unfortunately, I think the only fire that he's under is from the media or from the fans. It's certainly not from ownership. Right, but with Cashman, it's always the same story in the playoffs. They never have enough starting pitching. That's what has always come yeah, back that, to Biden but, in this recent yeah, month. Yeah, no, Jeremy, thanks for the phone call. That really hasn't been the issue. The, the issue has been with the Yankees in the playoffs the last few years is that they have not hit. They have had opportunities to score runs. They have not scored runs. It's been about the offense. And keep in mind, you know, like for all the talk about the starting pitching, think about playoff games. A lot of times these games are decided seventh, eighth, ninth inning. And the starting pitchers are long gone. So, yes, they could, have been, they could have had far better starting pitching, and who knows, maybe that would have worked because we now know what they tried did not work. But primarily to me, over the last four or five years, the Yankees' issues in the postseason, time and time again, getting a key hit in a key spot, getting hits with runners in scoring position, being able to score runs consistently when you have opportunities. They have not been able to do that. Uh, and at least they have figured out a way that this October the offense won't let them down because it won't be playing in this year's October. Ah, see? Smart. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So I was talking about the Mets there, and uh, they get the win tonight, beating the Brewers 4-2, breaking it open with the three, what was it, in the seventh inning there? Pete Alonzo, a big base hit. So to me, it's pretty clear now. When you take a look at the National League East, uh, look, there's still a lot of baseball to be played. Maybe at some point, the Braves do start to wake up. But as you're sitting here right now, it's not like the Braves have ever really had that run. And you see like a team like the Nationals that did have that run. What were they in June? Like 19 and 8 or 19 and 9? And then what happens? You go on that, that, that run and then you slip back. I think they've lost four or five in a row now. So they, they're back under 500. The Braves are still under 500. 
The Mets, despite their, their issues, despite the injuries, despite the lack of scoring, they've been able to remain over 500. And keep in mind, it's not like the Mets have been playing like on fire. They've been like a mediocre team here for the better part of the month. Now, you'll chalk that up to some of the injuries. And now those injuries are over. You'd think that there's at least a good possibility they can play better. They should play better. They should be. I mean, they're kind of fortunate to be where they're at right now. Uh, But it's a terrible division. And they are, I think, the least flawed team in the division. And at least have at least the, you would think, the ability to add at the trade deadline. I don't know if the Braves can add at the trade deadline. I don't know what the Phillies are national. I mean, the Phillies, I don't even know. I mean, I mean, the Phillies to me at this point, even though their record is not that bad, you never get any real feel like they're going to go on a run or they're going to have any level of consistency. And I'm saying how bad the Braves bullpen is. The Phillies bullpen's even worse. The, the, the Phillies bullpen, I think, is like bottom two or three or four in all of baseball. So they have been a disaster all season. You never really feel like they're going to get anything going in the right direction, even though they're four or five games under 500. Uh, and so it's really about the Mets just kind of starting to get things pointed in the right direction and start playing some good baseball. Because if they ever go, if the Mets ever go on a run, they could pretty much put a stranglehold on that division. And when you take a look, the other nice thing I think the Mets have going for them is that there are certain positions, right? Like if you're talking about adding at the deadline, uh, you would say probably third base would be the area that would make the most sense. But, you know, it's not like second base, you couldn't, uh, you know, go out and get somebody at second base and then maybe move McNeil over to third base. Left field, I like what Dom Smith there has done, but I don't know that that's necessarily locked in. You know, if you're looking to add some offense to this team, there's certain areas, obviously, you can't really add. First base, shortstop, right field, catcher. But they've got some some available positions, I think, where they could possibly upgrade if the right deal comes along. It's not like, hey, we have to have, you know, we have to find a shortstop that can hit or we have to find a center fielder that can hit. Mets have a couple of areas where if, they, if there's a player that's available and they have the resources with the owner – You'd think that they would be able to uh, go out and make a deal. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go back to the phones. We'll go out to uh, Bruce's in Flushing. Bruce, what's going on? Hey, Gordon. Happy July 4th. Yes. It was not a very happy July 4th, Bruce, but I appreciate the sentiment. By the way, okay, for all Yankee fans, blow taps. The season is done. The Yankees are dead. Anybody who thinks this team is coming back doesn't know baseball or is crazy, or possibly both. You have your number one starter, whoever since they did the, 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 the sticky stuff. The crackdown, right? You're not a number one star, starter anymore. I see actually how Hal Steinbrenner is feeling these days. Your number one closer is, is not the same closer ever since the, the sticky stuff has been banned. Now, you can slide Zach Britton and, as the closer when he comes back, which won't be that bad. It's going to take him a couple of games. But you look up and down the lineup, they're not hitting. It's basically the same kind of hitter. You know, Dan O'Donnell, the former general manager of um, the Rockies, of the Colorado Rockies, was on MLB tonight, the other night. And he said, you know, a couple of years ago, the Yankees – Use analytics, but not to this degree. And they had still had the old-time scouting stuff, people. And 
because now they've gone overboard and the players are playing like robots, robotic. And I totally agree with them. You know, the Yankees had a, a pitching um, coordinator in the minor leagues. His name was Danny Burrell, who was one of their top talent evaluators. He went to college as a coach. I don't know if he was pushed out because of analytics, and he's old school or whatever, but it's, it's just not uh, – they haven't developed pitching. Um, you look um, at the head of Kevin Kernan, the ex-post writer, sure. said that he talked to a scout, and he said, well, we don't have to prepare much for the, for the Yankees. It's the same thing. The whole line is basically the same hitter, except for maybe DJ. What happens now is – we we do we finish out the season. If you let Brian Cashman make important trades now, it's the same as when you let Phil Jackson make the draft yeah. when you knew you, you were going to fire him. Let Cashman. I mean, I fire him now, but Powell's not going to do that. After the season, Cashman's gone. Aaron Boone's gone. I'm not necessarily totally blaming Boone, but he has to be gone, and you have to start fresh. The question is. People say, well, Howe's not going to fire Brian Cashman. Howe's not stupid. He knows the Yankee fans are going to be up in arms. And if he wants to sell tickets for next year, especially if the ratings go down and fans don't show up, he's going to know he has to do something. He has to get rid of Cashman. He bring in a general manager. Bill Epstein, people have said, wants to run another ball club. You reach out to Epstein. If not, there are other candidates to go, to, to go after. Daniel Gallagher's one. Uh, Brian Cashman's deputy is, is, is highly regarded. There are plenty of other people out there. But you have to change the culture. You have to change the culture of being everything analytic. Because, yeah, we use analytics, but we go back to seeing what's on the field and going to a little bit to old-time baseball, scouting and coaching. No yeah, I mean, yeah, thanks, Bruce, for the phone call. I mean, there has to be a little bit of pushback, right? Like, you, you have a plan, and then you see how that plan gets carried out and what are the results of that plan, and then you adjust the plan. And I, I do think that based on how this season has played out, you take a look at how the lineup is locked up as it is, um, I think you have to clearly have a different approach moving forward. The, the idea that we can be this right-handed or the Yankees can be this right-handed without any lefty bats. The Yankees, the New York Yankees, the short porch and right field don't have one uh, impactful left-handed bat is, is crazy. So I do think that there has to be some pushback on that. And uh, you, you were talking about the closer role. The closer role, that's it. you can fix that right now, right? Like take Chapman out of that. you got a bunch of guys you can throw in there. The problem is the lineup. It's been the it, the scoring has been the problem all season long. Scoring runs, and you take a look at up and down that lineup, uh, the amount of issues that you have none bigger than Glaber Torres. How you fix that? That that's interesting to me. How how you can go from one of the bright young stars, 22, 23 years old, hitting like he did, and now he is one of the least productive hitters in the sport. And, you know, people bring up about the defense all the time. Defense has not really been the issue. He's had some, he's had his moments. Clearly he's not, he's not ever going to be uh, Mark Belanger at shortstop, but the bigger problem, you, you could live with the defense. If he were hitting like he used to hit, he's not only regressed even from last year, he is one of the least 
productive players in the entire sport right now. So, yeah, that's going to be a I, – I don't – there's a lot of baseball to be played, and maybe Bruce is right that if, if this season goes as poorly as it's going right now and it just keeps going down the tubes – that Hal Steinbrenner somewhere in his DNA, the, the, the George Steinbrenner in him will come out and he'll make a move uh, at uh, GM. I don't have high hopes. I, I don't, I don't, um, I, I don't expect, if you ha- ask me right now, do I expect after this season is over that Hal is now going to make a change and, and take Cashman out? Because again, keep in mind, Cashman wasn't always the analytics guy. He didn't come on board um, like, like, say, like a Theo Epstein who was really like a Bill James disciple who was all about the numbers, all those type of things. He, he, he's developed into that. And the reason why he's developed into that, I think, is because that's what the owner believes. The owner is, is a big believer in the analytics. He's a numbers guy. So that's why the, I think the organization has kind of shifted into that, into that mode and, and has, has gone so deep into it. Uh, now, look. Whoever you're going to bring in here, they're going to do, they're going to, almost every organization in the sport believes in analytics. All, I'll say this, all the successful ones. <laughs> so if you think that going out and getting Theo Epstein, that you're not all of a sudden going to be relying on analytics anymore, yeah, that's probably, that's probably, that's probably not true. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go to uh, Chauncey's in Manhattan. Chauncey, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, what's up, Gordon? What's going on, man? I'm good, man. What's going on? Hey, Gordon, is this going to be like your normal normal gig around this time, man? Yeah, this, well, I'm, I do it usually with Larry, but yeah, this has been uh, since uh, since January. This is the this is the time slot for me. All right, cool, man. It's awesome. I'm I'm on the midnight tour, man. I, I plan on uh, calling a lot now. All right, Chauncey, <laughs> I love it. Appreciate it. What do you got? But um, listen, man, I think the Yankees' problem. I truthfully, I think it's all in the hitter's head at this point. Everybody's like talking about Aaron Boone and and. Ashman and all this stuff. Like, not too long ago, the Yankees, with the same lineup, was doing what they were doing. They was crushing home runs and all this stuff. There was a, a game out of going to the World Series. They was winning 103 games. Now, for some reason, this year, they can't hit. I think I think it got to the point where now, when runners is on, like, second and third with nobody out, whoever's at bat, it's in their head, like, oh, my God, I can't, I got to do something. I, I think it's all mental at this point. And um, watching Chapman the last this last week, like, I want to run my run my head through my TV at this point. Like, it's it's getting out of hand. Like, it's it's really ridiculous. Like, giving up a grand slam and like it's it's out of hand. Like, they they got to do something. Um, and they definitely do need some left-handed bats. I don't understand who thought that it was a good idea getting all these right-handers. You. You got three fourteen down the right field line, but you got all these right handers. Like at this point, like my my son can hit it over the right field fence. He's he's nine years old, but you got all these you got all these right handed bats. You don't got no speed. You got to change it up. They're putting like seven seven infielders on one side. Nobody wants to hit to the opposite side of the field. They're giving you they're giving you the opposite side. You got to do something different. You can't just go in there and say, you know what, I'm going to crush the ball into the same direction where all the defense is going. You got to do something different at this point. And I don't think Aaron Boone's the problem because they got him in for analytics. If that was the case, they would have never fired Joe Girardi. So 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, they want when they made that change, and Chauncey, thanks for the phone call, they said they wanted somebody who was more collaborative, which means that they're not going to push back. Uh, right? Joe Girardi obviously was giving them, you know, too much pushback on ideas that he had as the manager, and Aaron Boone was not going to do that. So, yeah, I think that that's another area where you have to, you know, maybe you need a little bit more of a, of a battle of ideas between the people running the organization. Now, I don't want, you know, chaos. I don't want everybody having their own plan. But it's almost, you know, like um, any time that, that like this has gone on here uh, and, and Hal spoke the other day, people will, will bring up, well, if George were alive, this would never be happening if George were alive. But those people, maybe they weren't old enough. Maybe they are and they just don't remember. George, when he was alive, half the time he was he was a disaster. I mean, he was an unhinged look. He was firing this guy, firing that guy, hiring this guy, making crazy trades, trading away prospects for over-the-hill players. I mean, his suspension, his second suspension from baseball, directly is tied to building up the farm system that led to the, the, the dynasty of the, of the late 90s. So I don't want somebody who's going to run the organization like George, but I don't want this, 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 uh, this laid back kind of let's, we'll all get along. We'll all get together. You know, there's got to be a little bit of repercussions for what is going on. And I don't have a high level of confidence, even after this season's over that anybody is really going to pay with their job. Maybe they will. You know, this is Boone's last year under contract, so maybe they might make a change there. But if you were asking me right now, after this season, if it keeps going like this or or even gets somewhat worse, is Brian Cashman going to be back? I think he probably will be. And you, you talk about not making any changes. At some point, you, it's not a job for life. I mean, you have to. There has to be some sort of results, and the results here have just not been there. <laughs> Oh, baby. It is ESPN New York tonight. Gordon Damer, 98.7 FM, ESPN. We've talked a lot of baseball through the first, what, hour and 20 minutes or so. We'll continue to do so and take your calls at 1-800-919-ESPN. And uh, we'll hear from some of the particulars uh, in terms of the Mets win tonight as they beat the Brewers over at City Field, 4-2 the final there. Mets with a three-run seventh inning to break it open. Not a lot of offense early on, but the Mets uh, get the offense that they eventually need. Third time through the order uh, against um, Woodruff tonight, and uh, they were able to um, get something done. Pete Alonzo with a big uh, two-run double off of uh, Woodruff. So Mets keep putting the wins together. So now 44-37 and on the year. So you will take that, and every day that you are in first place in the National League East, you have to think, like, every day it keeps creeping closer and closer to you being able to stay there. Now, the Nationals are out in San Diego tonight. They right now are up 5-0 on the Padres, so they're trying to end their losing streak. Braves lost tonight to the Pirates 11-1. So, you know, we keep saying about this team or that team like the Yankees, well, maybe at some point, uh, you know, maybe it'll start to click. You got to start to wonder. Maybe it's just not ever going to click for the Braves. Uh, that certainly seems like a real possibility. And you take them out of the mix. The Phillies take themselves <laughs> out of the mix uh, on a routine basis. Uh, there's not a whole lot of competition in that division, so the Mets just uh, keep rolling along. So we'll hear from from Pete Alonso. 
coming up. But I did want to touch on the NBA Finals, which get started tomorrow with the Suns and uh, the Bucks, And obviously all the focus is going to be on whether or not Giannis plays or not. But, you know, if it's a four-game series, if it's a six-game series, whatever kind of series it is, if you're a Knicks fan, I guess there's some interest in the Finals because it is the NBA Finals and there's going to be a team that wins a title that's either not won a title in a very long time in the Bucks or has never won a title like the, uh, the Phoenix Suns and all that that means for Chris Paul and his legacy and all those type of things. Um, but when you get into the offseason with the Knicks, you know, the names are starting to percolate. So one of those names that's out there is, is Chris Paul. Uh, you know that uh, when he turned down his player option for next year, is, I think it was $42 million, $45 million, whatever it was, he's going to be looking for a long-term contract after this season. And look, if they win the, the title out in Phoenix, I guess you'd have to think that it would become, uh, you know, he's going to stay a member of the Phoenix Suns. And even if they, even if he, they don't win the title, you know, Phoenix with the success that they've had now with Chris Paul going from where they were without him to where they are now, um, they, they're going to want him back. But it doesn't really take a lot to draw up the lines. Chris Paul, free agent, Leon Rose, former agent, is it a possibility that the Knicks, who are looking to add talent this offseason, have more cap space than anybody in the league? doesn't take a large leap to wonder if those two things line up together. So earlier today on TMKS, the Michael K Show, Bobby Marks was on, and he was asked, is Chris Paul going to be a target for the Knicks this offseason? I think where Chris is at this stage, you know, he's 36 um, he's made over $300 million. Um, it's quality of life, right? He's uh, a short plane ride to L.A. where his family is. Um, we'll see if they can win a championship here. I think there will be if he does decide to opt out of his contract. I'm sure there will be a conversation with New York just because his, his former agent is the head of basketball operations in Leon Rose, and there's a respect level there. But I, it would be hard for me to see Chris leaving the situation where he is. Certainly he can make more money in Phoenix to go to you know, New York or you know a team like Miami. Okay, so that's Bobby Marks on the the K show saying that he doesn't really think that that makes a whole lot of sense for Chris Paul where he's at in his career. And I would say, as a Knicks fan, thank you very much. That that's fine by me. The Knicks have lots of ways and a lot of avenues that they can go down this year. And look, Chris Paul is a phenomenal player, Hall of Fame player. Who knows? Maybe in a week he's an NBA champion. That's not really the move that the Knicks really need. Now I will admit even when the last time came around that Chris Paul was available and his name was floated possibility with the Knicks, I said, nah, I don't really see that being a match considering where the Knicks are at and where Chris Paul is at. I mean, 36 years of age doesn't really seem to, to, to line up there. And it's clear if the Knicks had had Chris Paul this year, they probably, at least a good chance, might have went even further, might even had a, a better regular season record. But it does worry me a little bit. This is a very big offseason. Like, during the season, we got to find out what Tom Thibodeau was about. This offseason with the Knicks, you're going to find out what Leon Rose is about. Like, how does he really – I mean, we're kind of into year two of him running the show. And at least so far, we really don't know. I mean, the, the Knicks did not make any real significant moves last offseason. The last offseason, the significant move they made was bringing in the coach. That was their big splash. And it turned out fantastic. He was the coach of the year. But we still don't know how he's going to go about building this team. They got a couple of draft picks that are not high up. And when you got done with that Hawks series, even before you got done with that Hawks series, you knew this offseason for the Knicks was about finding ways to add talent to this roster. This roster 
is just simply not good enough to compete to win playoff series. So they have a lot of areas and a lot of uh, avenues that they can go down to improve the roster of the team, and they have more cap space than anybody. But to think that 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 would be a way that they would go with Leon Rose going and getting his former client and 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 Chris Paul, boy, that one to me would not make a whole lot of sense. And and there's 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 ones I understand that are pipe dreams, right? Like any time like Damian Lillard's name becomes a okay, yeah, I'd have interest in him. Or if it's if it's Kawhi, all of a sudden is going to break free from the Clippers, or you know, a lot of these things are pipe dreams. I don't know that necessarily Chris Paul is a pipe dream. I think the Knicks could make a, a obviously a very uh, interesting offer for Chris Paul if he ever wanted to to go someplace else. I just don't think that that's the way. And, and who are the Knicks to be turning down Chris Paul? Well, I think that they were an organization that's still a ways away. You know, it's great that the Knicks were able to build a foundation this year in, in terms of you know what's acceptable, what's uh, what what what's anticipated from uh, you know night in, night out in terms of defense and hustle and work ethic and all those things. But now it's about trying to find some talent. And Chris Paul, like, there's a lot of different areas the Knicks can go. To me, adding the 36-year-old point guard on a three-year deal, a guy who has dealt with his share of injuries, that one just does not make any sense at all. So I'm hoping that uh, that's going to be the case. God bless Chris Paul. Let's hope he wins a championship and he finally, you know, captures a title and all that that will mean for him and his career and all those type of things. I just don't think that that's one that makes a whole lot of sense for the Knicks. And uh, in, a, in an offseason where it's going to be interesting to see what avenues the Knicks go down, you'd have to think that they're going to make some, some moves and, and finally kind of let you know what their intent is in terms of how quickly do they think this can be built. Like when you hire Tom Thibodeau as the head coach, it's not going to be like a long – you're not building for three years from now, but just how much of win now are they going to be going out and, and, and making moves this offseason based on? You know, Chris Paul clearly would be uh, – yeah, that's definitely not for three years. And that might not even be for two years. That's for the immediate. But I, I, don't, I don't think that that's the way that they should go. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.